Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Sheila. And we are back for a little farewell to Vincenzo. We each have a bonus topic regarding that that uh, we wanted to talk about. And then we're going to discuss a movie that, uh, you know what, I'm not going to keep you in suspense. I thoroughly enjoyed. And I'm going to recommend that everybody watch. Yeah, I I loved it. Oh, it's just... (laughs) Wish I had been able to see it in theaters. No, that's that was yeah. I thought I've seen it twice, of course, like yeah. most things. Korean. Um, no, yeah. that's not true. That's not true. Okay. Um, but well, I most seen thing, it no, twice. most of the things we talk about you've seen twice. That's true. Yeah, that's that the thing talk about. Um, yeah, I I really I didn't know if I'd enjoy it as much the second time around. It's but just, I have the same yeah, same reaction. Same reaction. I wish I'd seen it in theaters. And what it is, is a Korean version of sort of Galaxy Quest without the... Well, no, I mean, it's not as comedic <laughs> as Galaxy Quest. Uh, it no. Is, it is a serious film. Um, yes. Actually, what I would more closely put it to as uh, to is... Um, oh, no, no. What is that movie called? Elysium. Uh, the Matt Damon okay. movie about the people who are stuck on Earth working horrible jobs while people... Yeah, yeah. live in heaven in orbit you know like it's yeah. it's actually a much a, a better version of that kind of a movie that yeah. is more hopeful and really hates elon musk <laughs> no kidding. this is a movie what? that despises elon musk we'll get there <laughs> we'll get there but yeah this, this movie hates elon musk uh first though vincenzo uh <laughs> sorry it's true. I, know, I had never thought of it from that oh, point. One hundred percent. That's what the movie's about. It's about what a scumbag Elon Musk is. Uh, oh yeah, it's fantastic. All right, so but we'll get there. We'll get there. We we'll get there. First off, we want to talk a little bit more about Vincenzo. Um, just an amazing show in every way. I'll do my topic first, which is something okay. that like we didn't talk about at all, but I think worth is worth mentioning. Uh is like how important the idea of there being a Kasano family in Korea is because what they're doing in those scenes is talking about something that like doesn't really come up in the show much, but it's what the mafia is for. And I know this is going to sound strange and like, uh, I, I previously did my whole, you know, Albert Sirico did nothing wrong bit. Uh, but <laughs> I stand by that, stand by that statement. Uh, but it's not that I'm pro crime. It's just, I want to go back to why the mafia started in the first place. Right. And why the mafia started in the first place. There's a line I think that's pivotal in the movie, um, Goodfellas, right? Yeah. Which is that that uh, that what Henry Hill says is that the FBI never understood about the mafia is the mafia is just cops for thugs. You know, it's just cops for criminals. It's making sure that nobody can steal from you, right? So you're a you're an organization, and you can't call the cops because you're a shady, un you know, unapproved organization. And so if somebody wants to steal from you, who do you have to call? You have to call the mafia to deal with it. And the mafia is there to settle disagreements between criminals at its core, right? 
And that's a really interesting idea because it comes back to, well, what has the mafia, what has the mafia's role been historically? Like in the past of these countries. And the fact is, in Italy, the people of Sicily, Sicily. were oppressed. Like they were, they were considered to be, let's face it, uh, not as fully human as the super white and blonde Northern Italians. Like they thought they were lower class. They thought they were a lower grade of people. They were oppressed. And basically the government took whatever they wanted from Sicily. And there was no rec and people had no recourse. No recourse. About it. Yeah. Exactly. And that is why the mafia got built up in Sicily. Like that is why it was created there. And in the same way, I mean, go back and watch the movie Gangs of New York. You have all of these immigrants in New York, and each one of them puts together essentially a social protection, protection club that became the various gangs of New York. Right? And essentially they're saying when, like, it all comes down to the thing we've been talking about so much in this show, the law isn't there for, like anybody but people who already have power that's who the law protects right the first formalized law enforcement in new york was literally just a bunch of business people saying why do we all have to pay for you know guards uh to watch our warehouses and you know cover and uh, guard our trucks full of goods we're moving around the city should be paying for this and so what had started out as, you know, private mercenary groups that sold, uh, that like would essentially protection rackets became codified as New York's police departments. Like there is, there is a not like, there's a reason to agree with the theory that the reason New York has this ridiculous precinct system, right? Where everybody, where like, if a murder is committed within five blocks of a building the people who work at that building have to deal with that murder rather than just being murder specialists right all crimes you just go with the precinct and the origin of that it's not that far from the fact that back in the day the guys who ran in that precinct were just a street gang well yeah and as i say if people want to there was that early one that that starts with an r that didn't continue on yeah um about the street gangs and particularly focused on the post civil war period yeah a, and a the lot creation of, them of the police in new york after the yeah, civil and war. then and then you see and then you have to read the alienist you yeah. see some of it in the in alienist the, yeah they do it a little in the movie i oh, sorry the show yeah. Well, because but, that's why they brought Teddy Roosevelt in. Yeah, to try right? and Was professionalize. Yeah, to professionalize yeah. the police. Yeah, so they brought uh, in a military man to professionalize the police, and he didn't accomplish much. Well, he didn't accomplish much because he didn't have the real backing that he needed. Yeah. And he didn't have, and the cops... Oh, well, they wanted to keep their corrupt system in place. Yeah, and so, and, and ultimately, so did the... Uh, the power brokers of the world. The political days. bosses. The political bosses. So, yeah, I mean, it's um, it, it's a very different system than what started in, how it started in England. So, oh, absolutely. You know, it it is um, 
yeah it, it problematic and yes the and the, the mafia so yes so they end up creating this Cassano family yep. in Vincenzo, who, who are now going to protect the citizens. The yeah, they're yes. going to protect uh, the interests of their little part of the world. Mm-hmm. And at the start, that was the whole point of the mafia. I'm not saying it didn't get bad. I'm not saying it well, hasn't gone excessive and had done horrible things, but... It's like the the justification it uses for existing isn't a completely irrational one. No, I, I don't think so, particularly in immigrant societies. And as I keep going, go back and read the Madonna of 115th Street. Yeah, a huge uh, amount of this stuff is right there. Yeah, it's all explained right there his, from, a, from a historian's point of view, right? It's a historian's writing uh, about Italian Harlem. Yeah. People don't understand that part of it'll there was something called Italian Harlem. Oh yeah. And um they all think that Italian that Harlem was always black. Well nope. fun mm-hmm. fact. Do you know where the uh do you know where the black people used to live before they got forced into uptown? Downtown, obviously. Central Park. Central uh, Park was built to move the black people out of downtown. That's why Central Park exists. That's a true story. They wanted the black people out of downtown. They're like, how are we going to justify this? Oh, well, we'll build a new reservoir for the city. So they build a reservoir for the city and, they're, and then they're like, yeah, but the black people still live next to the reservoir. Okay, well, let's just say we're doing a public good and build a park. And that's why Central Park exists. So black people won't live near the banks. Yep, that that's true fact. And they all moved up to Harlem. Yeah. And they displaced the uh, Italian communities were there. And that's why Italians moved out to, you know, Queens and the Bronx. Well, yes. And, you know, you're, you're just moving. You're moving more and more sort of into gentrified areas. You're creating exactly. more and more gentrified areas, right? Uh, oh, we don't want to go down that road too much. <laughs> no, of course <laughs> not. I think that... Um, Although that being said, uh, I mean, it, it lacks the racial subtext, but... What they were planning with Babel Tower is gentrification and moving people out and destroying oh, yeah. you know, mid-cost yeah, 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 living yeah, yeah. in downtown in you know downtown of the city. Downtown Seoul. Yeah, downtown Seoul. Uh it's it's totally it is weirdly yeah, it, was. it is gentrification. And it's like at the end of the show, when the Cassano family comes to get in a rumble. With yeah. the guy's goons, he's there talking about gentrifying and increasing economic opportunity and increasing the value of the land. And let's face it, moving all these people out of their homes. And that is exactly what the problem is, right? Yep. Uh, gentrification, you, you know, but that's a whole thing. Let's just talk. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm talking. No, I agree with you, actually. And they don't No, they don't. But there's a lot of things in that. Like I have been watching, because this is what I, there are a couple of things I was sort of thinking about right. Uh, right. since we finished watching it again. And um, so I watched it three times. <laughs> and even the third time, I finally picked up something new. Um, I've also started learning Korean, sort of. I wouldn't even call it learning Korea yet. I'm at such a basic level. Um, but there are things that I've picked up that You're I currently am currently learning the for. Korean alphabet. <laughs> and a few things i can say 
I know when I hear someone say, excuse me. And when I hear someone say, I'm sorry, I actually don't have to read. I hear the words. I also understand why Korean now is so difficult. And there are so many different things that are, that we just don't get, but that wasn't what I wanted to talk. What I, what I, when I said there was something that dawned on me and I'm watching this thing called the K2. Okay. Now I am going to watch it to the end because I'm going to want to see how it ends. I am whipping through the the tedious romantic plot stuff. <laughs> I am whipping through the overlong, you know, it's sort of in some ways like possession. Um, I think in some ways it's worse than possession. Uh, the no. storyline, but with all of the things, because I am now starting to get into more, I think I watched a lot of top level shows initially. Yeah. And there is a woman in this show, the K2, um, the right-hand person of the lead villainess. And um, I kept looking at her and going, I recognize her. Like I, But I couldn't figure out where from. She looks... Anyway, it turns out she was actually in the very first show I watched. Oh. The Good Detective. But anyway. Oh, okay. I, yeah, you know. That was the not I don't count Criminal Minds Korea as well, obviously not, even though it was. Technically. But one of the things that's dawning on me, because as we are talking, every time we're getting into those situations and all of those, it's almost as if this guy is showing, or I'm almost going, well, is this a takeoff on because he's covering everything, right? We've yeah, decided yeah. that. You've got a little rom-com. You've got a little courtroom. You've got a little police stuff. Yeah, you've, you've got, got a thriller. You've got a serial killer drama. Yeah, you've. the only thing you don't really have is much in the way of politics. No. There's Except a little bit of politics. I mean, yeah. they do. There is a guy who's running for president. president. And that gives him a lot of power. And there are obviously the power brokers who exist in a political context. But yeah, we don't get into the nitty gritty of elections in the show. At all. No, that's that that's a, a minor. Whereas this this thing that I'm watching the K2 right now, um, the, the politics is at the center of it. Right. Um, and, but I started to think, I really wonder whether this guy is but I don't, you know, it's like, because I haven't watched enough Korean, yeah. whether there is at some level um, and in a bill, like he's taking all of everything in all, all of the stuff out. that K-dramas try to do. Not just K-dramas, but there's the little rom the whole thing like this. Yeah, because the K-2 is, I guess, a K-drama. Yeah. But oh my lord, you know, you've got these relationships. And I mean, it's, I mean, the people are horrible. Again, you're stuck with this idea of most people you can't even stand. Yeah. Um, everybody's, everybody's, everybody's like corrupt. And yeah. except, except for our hero. Of course. And then there were a couple of other people. And then this poor girl. And it just, but I can make all sorts of complaints because the one thing I thought, the, the woman 
okay, the Cha Young character, Style Chai character Young, yeah. Chai, you know, she is so like it's almost as if she's a first of all, she is a clear and a much stronger person. Right. She has a lot of ideas. She's, you know, she's not a villain. Right. But she's also like all of those stupid things, like with that that rabbit ear thing and the rest. I'm beginning to go. I wonder if in his head, part of his head, the creator of all of this, he's taking on so many of these stereotypes because yeah. like, I watch the men as well. And if I'm comparing them, the th- couple of things I've watched since. Right. Right. And I did watch Beyond Evil, which mm-hmm. um, people I it was funny. It didn't stick. Once I looked at it again, the, the, I looked at the IMDB page and said, Oh yes, now I remember it. Um, It's, it's almost as if it is taking on all of the um, tropes. And and criticizing and putting them all in one place. Well, yeah, it, it like, and it's, it's a loving criticism. Yeah. Right, but it is poking fun at all this stuff. But I, but it it almost feels to me now that I'm watching some of these other things that yeah, there is this sense of making fun. Like Vincenzo is the perfect male. Oh yeah, right in all ways, and he yep. never he never breaks, right? No. And he never and he yes, he may have this backstory and the rest of it. Yeah. And so when he does do things, there's context. And when he breaks down the whole situation around his mother. Yeah. But, you know, and when he has his nightmares, I like it's really weird because the K2, of course, has his PTSD because he right. was with 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 Blackwater. Oh. They called it Blackstone. Right? Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. yeah they didn't we call we it know Black. what they mean. Don't worry. Yeah. They called it Blackstone. Come on. We know what they mean. <laughs> right? Mercenaries. Yeah. Um, you have all this, but it is weird. And even the villain, like the villain is played so much better than all of the other villains. Right. All of the other villains are over like, and this is hard to say, but our villain, Jun Woo. Yeah. Is not over is very controlled compared to some of these other villains. Really? If there is one thing that is beginning to drive me crazy. And how did, broad these villains are. Well, and it's not only that they go, ha, 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 that fake laughter all the time. Oh, and, uh, no. and it's just like this. And I'm wondering if I go back and watch a couple of earlier ones, whether they have some of the same issues. Yeah. Cause no, now that's, that I that's have the watched. thing is like Jun Wu is never a cackling monster. No. That's just not no. who he is. He's calculated, he's structured. Yep. I mean, yes, he's impulsive. Oh yeah. And that is his okay. downfall that he always assumes that his power is going to get him out of every situation. Yeah, and therefore he can be that way, but he he is much more he can take things like but these villains are just so and, broad and, just, uh, and so okay and and you know yes and i just we just had a major revelation about the the one of the villains that you're sort of supposed to feel sorry for but 
when you really get down to it, right? Yeah. And the women, the women, if you have, and then there are the comic characters as well yeah. in this thing, right? There aren't that many of them. It's not like Vincenzo, but Vincenzo was. Mr. Nam and Mr. An. Yes. Vincenzo was 30 hours of, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, you didn't have, no, no, you don't have that. You have them because they're all within this police security force, this gotcha. security, private security force. And there are two competing private security forces. Never mind, it's immaterial. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so there's the one girl who's, you know, and they're, again, they're broader and, and they're like the comedy level is so different. What makes Vincenzo so different? It's like he's looking at all this stuff and, and saying, okay, can I, can I create, can I do a critique? of all of that yeah the tropes at the same time do a compelling story and a compelling and remember i mean we've talked about whenever they have those i'll call them rom-com moments yeah one of the things that always is they never went too long nope and they didn't have like i can think of only one that had this this music right and yeah. that was when they were in the kitchen and yeah. she's drunk out of her mind and he refuses to take advantage of her. Yeah. Right. And even that is structured so that it doesn't drive you crazy. That's true. Because I, I mean, I just finished watching another one of these couple of these rom-com moments and they just go on so long and it takes them so long. Okay. Get to your first thing is what the hell, you know? <laughs> so yes, I'm watching a lot more. I don't know whether Vincenzo has made me more critical or it's that I am now watching so much more that and you're having all of your own feelings about these things, but you think it might be that Vincenzo was designed to yeah. criticize these tropes. Yeah. To, to, to say, yeah, we don't have to do those tropes, right? Yeah. Um, you can still have, you know, men having feelings and yeah. women being strong without being villains yeah. because yeah. that because miss Choi is very much in the villain mode oh but absolutely. she's more calculated and even she's when i when i look at um what is happening and it's only because i'm watching this thing right now that that's the one i'm using yeah um yeah. you know but even she yes there is the female villain but there is also the counterpart and i don't have i don't have a counterpart a good female character as a counterpart to her for example right. and when i think back to now that i'm thinking about that right there is even in the um uh the one that was lawless lawyers for example yeah you know you have the bad guys and the good guys sort of right um, and then you have, but you never have, even the woman who's the lawyer is not at the same level as Cha Young is, right? right. She just isn't. Um, so it, it is, it's a strange thing watching it. I will continue to watch this and probably come up with some more ideas Theories about, about the, this. Uh, yeah. 
uh, about what's being done with Vincenzo because it, it is, um, I will still say, a tour de force at the end of it. Oh, yeah. And yeah. still later, I mean, I could watch it again with no trouble. Um, it's a master. Knowing, even knowing what's happening all the way through. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, there are always little things. These characters are always on point. Everything comes to some kind of a conclusion. It, it is weird. It is, it is strange. And he has set up, he's covering just about everything. Yeah, Even all the parts of society. Yeah, in that in that particular show. Anyway, we'll think more about that later. So shall totally. we move on? Yeah. Well, yes, let's move on to uh, the other thing space we're here to sweepers. talk about. Space <laughs> Oh, space sweepers. All right, so I'm uh, just going to, I mean, we're not going to do a beat by beat of the plot because, frankly, I want everybody to watch space sweepers. Yes, yeah. go watch space sweepers. Uh, it's completely, it is about a group of Korean, uh, essentially salvage people. So the idea is, it is the year 2092. Seems like it should be set farther in the future, but whatever. Uh, yeah. Just given the level of technology in this show. Kind of feels like it should be a little farther than 2092, but uh, that's that's going to be my only real criticism of the setting, which is delightful. Uh, so in the future, Earth has become massively polluted. Right, climate change and has just destroyed the earth. Not just climate change; it's also that um, that Earth has been strip mined of resources. Yes, so that rich people can move to Mars, and this is why I say that you know it is quite explicitly a movie about how trash Elon Musk is, because oh, the yes. movie's villain is like explicitly a Peter Thiel, a combination of Peter Thiel, Elon Musk. In that he's a guy obsessed with a, move, uh, like moving rich people to Mars and leaving the rest of us to die, oh, oh, oh. and b living forever. Okay, now here's here's the interesting thing. Yeah. Right, and you have to now. There is a lot of there's a lot more English in this than I've seen in any other Korean thing. Oh yeah, it's a very but I mean there's English, there's French, Russian, there's Italian people, there's Russian people. Like there are constant other languages being spoken. I mean, there's yeah. a point where a cop comes in to talk to them and he's Danish. Yeah. <laughs> he's speaking Danish when the cop comes to harass them. Well, what's really inter what's interesting though is that our Elon Musk character, of course, his line is that no, it this is it's genetics. Right. Yep. So it's all genetics. And if it just so happens that all of the people with good genetics are rich. How, how am I? And how is that my that's, fault? That's not my fault. I know. Isn't that perfect? Oh, my God. Like, right? hi. You know, he's like, what's great is that he's talking about the lie at the heart of eugenics. Right. Yeah. That, you know, they all have this uh, eugenics is like, we're just studying humanity and trying to codify it. Like, no, you start out with the idea that some group of people is superior to everyone else. And then you try to re reverse engineer a justification for your belief. Yeah. And that's been at the core of every eugenics movement ever. Like, there's no eugenics movement that didn't have that at its core. It's like starting with the conclusion, white people are better, whatever, right? Or in this case, rich people are better. Yeah. Right? And then trying to reverse engineer a justification for your pre-decided belief. 
And it's like, that's, that's all eugenics is. And this guy is wonderfully scummy about it. He's such a monster. Yeah, I know, eh? Oh, well, and what I love about it, right, is that he has this idea that is like, oh, you know, you uh, only, only purity. I mean, let's face it, he means only white. But, you know, <laughs> that's a subtext thing. Yeah. That doesn't get a lot of play. Uh, but the, there is, there is a reason that when we keep seeing pictures of people, uh, who are already living in Eden and are going to be the first people to get to terraform Mars, it's notable how many of them are white. Like that's not an accident by the filmmakers. And so I thought that was worth commenting on. And then you get, uh, at the core of it, right? He, you get that wonderful scene where he's torturing a guy and making a guy kill somebody to get it like... To a say, plate. prove you deserve a place you know, on Eden for you and your family. And the guy's like, see, the fact that you were willing to kill someone proves that you're morally corrupt and not worthy of a place in heaven. Right? And I'm like, how many people have you killed to get to Mars? Lots! <laughs> like, how many people are you willing to kill to get to Mars? How many horrible things are you happy to do? to get to Mars and you're going to be mad at this guy for shooting one person for doing exactly what you do. Okay. The, and the, the key is that man was going to die anyway. Exactly. He was killing him anyway. So he just thought he'd get this guy to kill him. Well, yeah. And the, the worst part is it's like the thing that he says is awful is exactly what the villain is doing because he doesn't care what happened to the people of earth because they're all dead anyway. Yeah. So it's like he is an he is exactly the corrupt uh, he is exactly the corruption that he claims that he is fighting against and trying to keep from getting to Mars. That's fascinating. Like that's it's very well done. Yeah. I was very impressed by the show's messaging about that. <laughs> the show, the movies. But yeah, like just it's got a villain who encapsulates all of the stuff that is wrong with the Elon Musk flee Earth mindset. That instead yep. of fixing Earth's problems, we'll just flee Earth and let the let the Earthicans we'll be rich, you know, comfortable Martians and we'll let the, the Earthlings worry about Earth. Yeah. And the the funny part is, like they make it literally that the <laughs> The, the the thing that everybody's chasing around for the whole movie is literally something that was designed to clean up Earth. And he wants to steal it and use it to terraform Mars. Well, it wasn't designed. Well, no, no. But it's... Earth. You're right. It wasn't designed. That They just lucked into that. It, yeah. They lucked into this sort of Ability thing. to revivify, to... Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess we'll just explain it. You know, I mean... Please watch the movie. We're going to be spoiling all sorts of things. So please watch the movie, okay? Uh, but anyway, yes, you're right. The nanobot, right? The the nanobots were designed to heal people and some quirk in this woman, this child's, right? Uh, this child's biology made it so it would reprogram and revivify plant life as well if she was near it. Yeah, it was it was very interesting. Like she she had a, an illness. She had like um, uh, mus, mus, like a form of muscular dystrophy. Yeah, right. And Where she she, going, her muscles were shutting down, and she was going to die. 
Yeah. And so her father, in a last ditch attempt, because he was a scientist. Yeah. Right. Decided that he would give a shot at giving her nanobots. And using and the them unintended. to repair her musculature. And yeah, the unexpected consequence is these things will fix plants. Yeah, and they will fix plants. I think they will that clean up can... pollution. Well, she yeah. can virtually talk all talk she to she can them, talk to know? the nanobots, absolutely. Yeah. Right. So, and the nanobots uh, like she can communicate with the nanobots, and the nanobots will clean up pollution, they will revivify plants, and so they could terraform a planet. Or they could fix Earth. Yes. And what oh. Elon Musk wants is he wants the nanobots for himself. Yeah. Because that'll be his shortcut to... Cause, and that's the thing. Everything is saying a, is a lie. He hasn't figured out a way. No, because she, she is the one that can terraform Mars. Yeah. And he tells everybody that he's figured out a way to do it. Well, no, he hasn't. Well, and what's so funny about it is he's yeah. like, this Mars thing didn't just start because she's only been able to do this for the past like year or so. And it's like, so he's been lying to people for decades about this Mars thing as yeah. he's been trying to figure out what to do. Right. It's all a con. Right. Yeah. He's been he's been again Elon Musk stuff. He's been lying and saying Mars is well on its way to being terraformed, but it really hasn't. And finally, he's got the thing that's going to get him there. He just has to kill everybody in his way to get her. Well, the thing is, is that she, her father doesn't like what he's doing. Well, of course. And because he did use her yep. to, to do this. And then when her father realized what an evil person he was, yep. her father tried to fix it and tried to get her away. And uh, so, of course, ensues. The idea that somehow or another she is a danger because yeah, he wants so, to get rid of her so yeah, that yeah. there will only be Mars left. Yes. And nobody will know how he did it. Exactly. So he can continue lying. And his plan is literally to just kill her and use the nanobots. And I'm like, I don't even know if that would work. <laughs> well, but, no, he, no, no, he's not going to just kill her. You, you see, I've watched it twice now. Yeah. No, no, it's the nanobots. He ha wants to kill all the nanobots yes. inside her. Yes. But the, uh, uh, and he the does, only but way he, to all... do that is... Yes. Yeah. No, no, you're right. You're right, of course. But uh, he does also want to... It is. He did say it was very important to recover the body. So I feel like it's important for him to have her body so he can make more of the nanobots under his own control. No, 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 no. He wants to recover... Well, okay... No, I, okay. That it might be, just be so no one else can get them. You're absolutely, no one else finds out about them. You're right. So, because, I mean, setting off a nuclear bomb, yeah. it, there's no way to recover her body. Oh, no, no. That's at the end. I'm talking about earlier when oh, earlier. they all go to the club and he specifically says, shoot everybody, but make sure you secure her body. Yeah. Yeah. Earlier in the club scene, he's still concerned about getting the body back. But you're right. Yeah, but Later, that's because... The nanobots yes. are inside her body and he wants them destroyed. Yes. And uh, you're absolutely right. Whereas because with the nuclear bomb, it's specifically going to set off the EMP that will, or the, the Krypton radiation that will yeah. destroy all the nanobots as well as yeah. the factory where they do all of the build, like where they do all of the building that keeps really all of earth and space and Eden running. 
Yeah, it's, well, what's yeah, in- it's quite a desi- like a monstrous doomsday plan he has at the end. Yeah. Well, and what we have seen, right? Yeah. What we saw, what we eventually see, we don't see it in the beginning, of course, but we eventually see that she, that the nanobots revive her. I know. They really when- have become one with her as a person. Yeah, so they can they can repair her whenever something goes wrong. Yeah. And something did go wrong at one point and they and they thought she was dead. But the nanobots are able to fix her. Recover. And the nanobots fix her. Yeah. yeah. Because they have become like a symbiotic organism. Yeah. And he has but it didn't like she has yes, for some reason she can communicate with the nanobots Whereas he, who has the nanobots, this is why he is 150 some years old. old. Yep. Right. But he can't control the nanobots mm-hmm. if he gets angry. I mean, you watch him every now and then, like almost fall apart. Oh, yeah. Whenever his emotions <clears throat> get away from him, whenever he yeah. panics, whenever he gets angry, the nanobots start like just running wild. Yeah. And. You know, so then he starts, and they could, they would kill him if oh, he exactly. can't even, even can't level. Control them. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a nice touch because it's like his own rage and his own frustration is killing him. Will kill him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a nice little sub message that it's yeah. his lack of control that is doing this to him. It is his insane madness that is going to wind up with uh, the thing he thought he was going to save him, killing him. Yeah. It's a nice touch. It's one of the film's many nice touches. Oh, there's a lot about this film. As I said, and the reason, I don't know why. It was so funny because the reason I thought of Galaxy Quest was because it's just enjoyable. and it has just fun all the way through. It's fun all the way through. Yeah, it doesn't have music and it doesn't have a stupid plot. And it has, you know, and just again, you know, we're spoiling the hell out of it. But understand that it has a good ending. <laughs> it has a great it has, ending. It has wow. a superb ending, right? It is. And, I mean, you don't... Uh, I, we're not going to talk about the ending. Like, we're going to spoil no, no, a lot of not. stuff in this. We're not going to talk about the ending. No. But, oh my God, what an ending this movie has. Oh, yeah. I mean, It's this so is, rare to get an ending that you're just like, this has satisfied me in every conceivable way. Yeah, there is every... It, the action, everything pays off. All of yep. the characters get a fantastic end to their arcs. Yeah. Like, when when is this Vincenzo guy going to stop making me cry at the end of movies? <laughs> you know? Jesus. <laughs> it's, oh. no, and you have to understand that it's Tai Ho in Space Tai Ho, I know, I know, I know. He's playing Tai Ho. <laughs> uh, he's not playing Vincenzo. And it's a very different, it's a completely different character. Like there's, yeah. there's no similarity between who he's playing now and Vincenzo. No, like there's really not. And it is a great performance and, but complete ensemble cast. Like no one, yeah. is, I mean, you can say he's the main character because he's the character who has the most detailed arc. And he does like, he has this, we're introduced to him first. Yeah. Uh, his daughter was killed almost three years ago, yeah. right? In an, in was- a space accident in a horrifying space accident and he is trying to find her body so he can say goodbye right and give her a proper burial right like the whole thing the whole thing is and we don't even find his backstory for so long 
for so long, like what happened? Like we yeah. sort of see, but then when they, because of course there's a lovable robot. I love that robot so much. And it's so funny because the little girl knows, right? That the robot's female. Yes. The robot identifies as female and always has, and only the little girl immediately so, knows that. Yeah, because no one robot, else has ever realized that and and refers to the robot as he by uh, just yeah. by uh, by instinct and the robot and the little girl's like, no, obviously this is a girl. Yeah, obviously you're a girl. Yeah. <laughs> she was nice... so, she was so happy. I know that someone actually finally noticed. <laughs> I mean, it's the little touches again. Yeah. This thing that made oh, this it is. So, so beautiful so good and she draws pictures and oh all the pictures she has of everybody and yeah. again uh this wonderful scene and they there's a moment in the film where the villain uh doesn't kill the heroes even though he could and sometimes you find that contrived and that has been contrived in many movies yeah. but here it works because in an, as he points out as the villain even points out in this unbelievable turn of events Everybody on this frigging salvage ship is someone he personally has a problem with. Yes. <laughs> like, like, because it turns out Tai Ho was a child soldier. Yeah. And he um, was like the number one of their child soldiers and the best yeah. pilot they've ever had. And yeah. he quit because he wanted to, because he found an orphan and he wanted to raise her. And at once he found himself actually helping out a poor person, he couldn't just kill poor people for the government anymore. Yeah, he couldn't kill because what had happened is, is they were killing everybody on the ship. Yep. And then yep. there was this baby, just mm -hmm. a newborn baby. Literally just a newborn baby. And so he adopts this baby and that's his daughter. And as he says, he's 20 years old and he's got this daughter. Yeah, he couldn't, he couldn't kill her. He was supposed to kill her. Everybody yep. was supposed to be killed on that ship. Mm -hmm. But he couldn't and do he it. Couldn't kill the baby. And that was it. And then that, his life spiraled downward from there. Yeah. Because, because he couldn't he do the could. job anymore. And if you yeah. can't do the job that the only corporation that exists anymore wants you to do, right? Then you have no use to them. And so suddenly he's not a rich guy living in Eden anymore. Suddenly he's just yet another person trying to scrape out one day, like the next day's money. Yeah. Yeah. Like the minute the corporation cuts you off, you're done is the message. Like when you allow this thing to be only profit matters, only the corporation matters. The second you're not profitable, you have no value. You're tossed away. And that's literally what happens to his daughter. To because, Well, no, literally what happens to his daughter because you get this horrifying scene where her body is, you know, sucked into space. And he goes and, you know, begs the people to find the body. And they're like, oh, you're not a citizen. Yeah, that service is only available to citizens. People who aren't citizens have to pay $250,000 for us to go and retrieve a body. You're like... Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. It's so monstrous. But again, it's it's all about, you know, well, what is the uh, it's all about the financialization of all life. Yes. You know, <laughs> that these corporations want. They want every every interaction to be a financial interaction. 
is the end goal. And that's the world that this show, uh, that this movie is depicting. And it's, it's brutal and it's heart wrenching and it's so well done. Yeah. How, and how great are all the characters, by the way? Oh, all the characters are just like, even Pierre. Oh my God, Pierre. Pierre is a joy. (laughs) (laughs) The Frenchman who's in love with the captain. <laughs> who does not want to give him the time of day and he's written a song about her. Oh my god, it's so wonderful. Her relationship. He broadcasts it over all of the ships, all of the salvage ships. It's just like Yeah. yeah. Oh, even the oh bit, my god. the bit parts are even are, the bit parts. Yeah, even the side characters, even the bit parts are so much fun and oh my god, and they've got a nice villain in the role of the the lead murderer who yeah. has the job that Taiho used to do. Yeah. You know, like all those little details. And she's got the job that Taiho used to do. And and you see in her why, like, the monster he used to be. Uh, except uh-huh. she has no, uh, like, we never get a chance to see that she has any second level of kindness or ability to show empathy. So it's like, she's just the pure monster that he was supposed to be and that he was saved from being by his daughter. Yeah. So you get little notes like that that I love. That it's like, again, it's about mirroring the characters. The thing that's so important that we show like the people at either end of this thing. And I mean, I love the captain. I think the captain was hilarious. (laughs) Boy, and Tiger, (laughs) the... The drug kingpin turned yes. salvage agent. <laughs> and the thing is, what I love about his drug dealing, right, is he had set it up to create social services. <laughs> because know. everyone, like all of the poor people, had been abandoned by all of the, this giant corporation and the rich people. But rich people still want to do drugs. Yeah. So he gets drugs to the rich people and he uses the money to feed poor people. So he's essentially creating a social services and taxation system that just preys on the rich to feed the poor. Yes. And that's unacceptable. And that is completely unacceptable in this modern system. You know, somebody's making money. That's not the corporation. Yeah. So they have to be rid of him. Yeah. And and the world is supposed to be destroyed. Yeah, and and that's the whole point. Is like they full on his his end plan is to just you know screw it. I'll uh, I'll get rid of her and I'll get rid of the world at the same time. Yeah. You know, oh, he's that's such it. a monster. Yeah, such remember a to one- give it yeah. a thumbs up. Remember to give it oh, a thumbs up. Of course, I'm giving a Netflix. thumbs up on Netflix. <laughs> uh, really good action scenes too. Oh, the action scenes are great. Yeah. Like I was very impressed by like all of the uh the flying scenes, the outer space stuff. Like it it looked good. Yeah. Oh, it, I yeah. yeah. And and the integration of CGI with reality. Oh my well, the one of the characters is yeah. a fully CGI character. Yeah. And you don't question her for a second. Nope. Like the robot is there's never a robot there. It's a person in a green suit and the the robot blends so well 
right? Whenever they're dealing with people. And then there's the time when the robot's outside doing the wonderful acrobatics where it's just a full CGI creation and it looks perfect. Yeah. Everything, it, like it, this was so, oh, I wish I had seen it on the big screen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know we keep saying that, but it is literally true that it's like, yeah. I wish we had had the chance to experience this. I mean, I hope it played on the break because uh, it's a Netflix, Netflix bought the distribution rights. Yeah. Right. So it's an, you know, it's not a co-production or anything, but like, as I, or maybe they did uh, get there earlier, but they at least bought the distribution rights and I hope it aired places on the big screen. Cause this is yes. a, the scope of this movie deserves to be on the big screen. Oh yes. See this, it, it, funny thing is, is it reminds me in some ways of Babylon five. Really? A lot of, well, no, not, not the plot, not, well, no, not the plot, like that, right? Yeah, um, yeah, but just in terms of the CGI, because when you think of of and the, and the space battles and everything right. else, because like nowadays you we forget what it like what B five. I mean, this yeah. is why how how crazy it like how amazing what it, it was at the time. Yeah, yeah, what it was created for the small screen. Yeah, that's true. And the CGI was done on an Amiga. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> All of it, and it was cutting edge. Everybody mm -hmm. raved about it at the time. Oh, absolutely. No, and if you still see it on a small screen, and you, it's it's still good. Yeah. So, but th that's surprisingly, that's what this reminded me of. You know, I see, and, no, I, when you're talking about the way they handled the effects, I do see yeah. what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh. uh, it 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 was just. One of the things I loved about it is, again, it's it's very, the message is very clear. It's very anti-corporation. It's very anti-Elon Musk. But they even managed to do that in the finale with the reminder that, like, there are these monstrous special forces troops, like the corporate special forces with their high-tech spaceships. But uh -huh. at the end of the day, like, the guy, there's a tiny number of rich people right and there's a tiny number of goons who work for rich people the vast majority of the the people in this future are the people who have their ships and work for a living yeah so it's like if it ever actually came down to a fight it's not the the goons of rich people who are going to win that fight no that's the message you're left with yeah god and oh, the the terrifying sequence in this thing, and I'm not going to get too far into this because it's such a good scene and I want people to just see it, where we see that um, at some point, we don't get the details of how it happened, but someone made um, nanobots. Someone yes. made nanobots that lost all, like, that they weren't able to control and the nanobots uh, constantly repair themselves and constantly rebuild and they will eat any mass, like anything yeah. they come in contact with, they will just devour it and turn it into more of themselves. Right. That was such a tense scene. Oh, that scene. And so, and so there's this, and so what they did was they ejected these nanobots into space to keep them from destroying the earth. And now there's this cloud of these nanobots just hovering in space that if anything gets near it, will get eaten well spoiler alert obviously our main characters are gonna once we find out about that oh, you're just you are counting down to when they're gonna come in contact with that and yes. that is such a tense scene that where you, you know i mean oh, do you want to talk about it where the little girl well, he yeah. has told her he yeah, has yeah. told her they're they're in trouble 
So he told her to count, to count back. To, yeah, from a hundred. From a hundred. But we should not. We should not say how this plays out, though. No, no, no. But but and, it is you know, one of the best scenes. You're watching in the movie. her. You're watching yeah. her counting back as the as the th- things are eating screaming. the ship. Yeah. Yeah, and they oh, and it is um it is so it is, unbelievably tense. Yeah, and those yeah, but they remind me then, right? Yeah. They reminded me of those uh spider things in um Atlantis. Uh and uh you know Stargate? Oh yeah, Stargate Atlantis, the replicators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the replicators. Yeah, no, it's the it, same idea. It's, it's the, same the same idea as the replicators, the replicators from Stargate. Eat yeah. Everything. Yeah, they will just consume everything and turn it into more of them. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a terrifying idea, and the way they depicted it is so nightmarish in this. Also, I want to give a real like compliment to whoever the production designers are who designed how their ship looks and how it operates. Cause it has a very, you know, alien, like an real industrial space. But then when you go down into the engine, there's an almost fantastical depiction of it because they, they imagine the spaceship engine as a place that is like as hot as a coal furnace in a, uh, in a steamship. That a guy literally has to constantly be rerouting pipes and turning wheels and stomping on pedals to keep this ship running. (laughs) Like the very act of keeping the ship running is like a dance that he's constantly doing. And I don't know that I've really seen a depiction of a spaceship like that before. No, I don't think so. It harks back to the... You have to put coal in the engine. Exactly. Yes, that's what I'm talking. Yeah, that's what it looks water. like. water. Yeah, if you look like, if you think of the old steam engines. Yeah, the boilers are like running it, how it used to be running a train or a, yeah. one of those tall, those huge ironclad ships. Like yeah. where every pit, bit of it, you have to like maintain it moment to moment. And it's like, I don't know that I've seen a spaceship depicted like this before. And it's really impressive to me yeah. the way it they've was- done it. Yeah, I haven't no, and seen he anything has quite to. like it, and it looks great. Yeah, and when and when Taiho has to go faster because he's oh basically my God. The, he's yes. the, the he's the pilot. He's the pilot, yeah. Ship. And he's they're being chased yeah. by six ships that are firing missiles at them, and they're yeah. going so they have to keep going fast, or the missiles will catch up with them. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's like the stuff the guy has to do to keep their speed going. Yeah. Right. And to give them enough power to actually turn around and escape the Earth's atmosphere. Like they really make you feel what the engine is going through by having a character like actually having to move every little piece himself. Like it's yeah. it's such an innovative way of demonstrating it. And I, I don't know that I've seen this before. I don't think so in a spaceship. Yeah, not in a spaceship. Because again, no, it's everything. like the visual of it is clearly referencing how you know coal-fired ships and train engines used to work right but it is completely its own thing at the same time so yeah because the power uh, source can't be coal or oil or anything yeah of course no no we we, we never actually find out what fuels these ships no you know but it's it's using the visual language of well i suspect you know yeah. what I suspect is that yeah. over the over the thousand years, like this is a hundred years later from now. A yeah. hundred years, yeah. Almost a hundred years. And so they have discovered something 
Right? Well, I assume uh, I assume everything's using fusion engines. Yeah, like that's just uh, logically, yeah. it seems like the most likely thing yeah. is that uh, yeah. they're all using fusion engines to move these things around. And it's a square ship. It's like a rectangle it's a, ship. Yeah, it's a really boxy ship. The Victory. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah with boxy a with ship. a worn out Korean flag. With a worn out Korean flag on the side. You know, it looks so good. And I yeah. mean, it does such a good job in the space factory where they're fixing all yeah. of these ships, right? Oh, I know. And yeah, the bankers. The Death Star factory. And then the yeah. bankers who come to repo their ship. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. And again, it's... um. What and it's like there's this great scene at the start where they actually steal some other people. Like the film is kicked off with them stealing other people's salvage, because three ships are teaming up to try and uh, get this ship that is drifting, and it's yeah. going to run into the space station. And so they have to grab the ship. And then of course our heroes come in, and it's like, hey, until you reel it in and clamp it, it's not your property. So they just zoom in and they hijack these guys and then they fly through and you get this great moment where they knock down an antenna. And yeah. so we see uh, him go to get his pay their paycheck for like the um, the first bit of metal that they've cut off the ship. Right. And they just, uh, you know, pay for their repairs and pay for their engine. It's like, ah, but you actually, yeah, but we saw you get that antenna. So you actually owed us $13,000. And... Like when you find out what a tiny amount of money they're getting paid for everything, right? Because yeah. in a world where a tomato costs a dollar, well, mm -hmm. you know, being $13,000 in debt is still a huge deal. You know, they're not using future inflation dollars. Yeah. Right? Like and besides, so much sci-fi does. Nobody had ever tasted a real tomato. I know. All of those people, because they were eating green tomatoes. Yeah, because they don't know it's supposed to wait till it's red. They, they live in outer space. Yeah. Oh, that is, that is a great scene, too, though. Them with everything. The, uh... Like, all these little scenes, all are, it's seamless. This movie is seamless. Yeah, it really is. Right? Everything kind of fits. And fits together the perfectly. And the poor little girl who every, every now and then has to sneeze. The nanobots must do something where... They have yeah. to open their mouth and they they sneeze more because yeah. you even see it in the Elon Musk character. Yep. He has the same issue of having to sneeze open his mouth wide. Yeah, right? and it's like they need X amount of oxygen at a certain yeah. time. So it's like it's he's got this yawn and the mouth going in and it's like they need more. And she's constantly sneezing and getting these huge influxes mm -hmm. and possibly getting rid of whatever byproduct the nanobots yeah. make. Like yeah. we don't we don't get a detail of it, but it is you're right. It's a nice thing that we note. And God, the whole first half hour of the movie where they think that she's a living bomb. Bomb, she's a living and she bomb. She has no because that's what you know. That's what Elon Musk has told everybody to try and recover this girl, right? That yeah. she's a living that she's a living bomb that has been stolen by like a robot that just looks like a human that has been stolen by terrorists, and so there's a bounty on her. Yeah. Right? And that's what he's told everybody to make sure that, you know, so no one questions how messed up it is that he's put a, you know, wanted dead or alive on a little girl. Yes. And then they're also terrified. And then yeah. finally, every time she makes a move, they're like, oh, my God, have we she's she, she's upset. Is she going to blow up when she gets upset? <laughs> running and dropping, yeah. right? running and hiding all the time. And it, it was so funny when they finally figure out that yeah. she's not a bomb. 
Yeah. <laughs> Idiots like, yeah, well, bombs don't poop. I, robots yeah, I don't poop. Robots don't poop. This is obviously <laughs> a little girl. Oh, such a nice scene. Such yeah. a beautiful scene. But yeah, it's like this movie just has, it's it's one great thing after another. Like, there's not a part of this movie I didn't enjoy. There's no bad moments. And it's so fun. And again, it's so rare that we get a movie like this that isn't, you know, tacked on to some franchise. Yeah. Like, this is a, just this nice, large budget sci-fi action adventure with a ton of heart, with great characters. And again, with a dynamite ending. And it's this kind of stuff that it's like, how often do you get this just fun for the whole family kind of action adventure anymore that isn't tied with some giant Disney franchise. Yeah. It, it rarely happens here in North America. Actually, well, and, does it ever happen in North America? And again, I'm going, if I have complaints sometimes about some of those big budget things, is yeah. there too long? Yeah. That, that, this, one, this one isn't short, to be fair. Well, no, it's not short. 15 minutes. Okay, it's not. It's not short. I'm not saying that. Mm -hmm. But you don't notice it when you're watching it. No, not for Whereas, a second. Nothing drags in this. Like, I can, I think of Doctor Strange. Oh, my oh Lord. Oh, my God. There were 99% of that movie, you were waiting for something to happen. Oh, at times it got so tedious. And then think about the Matrix where I friggin' fell asleep because they... Matrix 2, yeah. Oh, where they, where they, you know, they Let's make that... Let's just have a giant dance. rave oh. scene. You know, I fell asleep. I was tired and there was nothing to keep me awake. So I fell asleep. Yeah. And then, and then somebody shoved me or something happened and I woke up. And, and I like, said, oh, did I miss anything? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did I miss anything? No. Not really. <laughs> I didn't. I only slept for maybe five minutes. Or you slept, slept for, like, no, most of the rave scene. Like you wanted yeah, However long it was. <laughs> Everybody, look at the rave scene. She fell asleep a minute in. She fell asleep to the end of the rave scene. That's how long she slept through that movie. You know, and I mean, you know, action movies and big, big budget sci-fi movies yeah. shouldn't do that to you. No, and and you're right. This movie, there's constantly stuff happening. Like there is like there is always a threat. There is always them trying to pull off a plan. Like there, it is always rocketing forward. Like it, yeah. there is no hesitation in this movie. It is, it is a very propulsive in a way that not yeah. enough movies are these days. And again, um, Tai Ho is the only one who really gets uh, a character arc with his backstory. Like all of yeah. the other characters, like when we find out what had been going on with the captain, it's great. But like. Her, uh, the fact, what she gets to resolve, what she needs to resolve is dealing with, um, right. Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Right. And so that's her resolution. Right. And Tiger's resolution is getting the chance to continue to stand up for the oppressed. Cause that's what he always wanted to be doing. And his life has less meaning now, but the only one who has like a specific, I have to resolve this or I can't go forward is Tai Ho. And yeah. it's a great scene. When it's like, finally resolved. When you finally get the resolution. Oh my God, it's beautiful. Yeah. And, I and this is something we won't talk about in case people have listened to all of this without watching the movie. Yeah. You got to watch it. You'll, you'll find it's yourself so entranced. It's, yeah. it's just because everything 
and you don't like there are there are times we have there are things we haven't talked about at all absolutely and you're in a state of shock at times Mm -hmm. um it it is it is a just a good sci-fi movie that deals with issues but doesn't that's the funny thing you can say that yes it definitely takes on the elon musk of the world not even uh, of the world, specifically Elon Musk. Well, yeah, I know, but you could have thrown Jeff Bezos, who was. Oh, no, to- they, you could throw in Jeff Bezos if they had made him bald. They could have made him bald to throw in Jeff Bezos. And there's yeah. definitely some of Peter Thiel in there. But yeah, yeah. Like, it is taking yeah. off the billionaire class. Yeah, that multi billionaire, trillionaire class where, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, he wants, he wants Rotterdam to take, he wants to get his big yacht. Yeah. Somehow or another, so he wants them to take down a, a what bridge. a thousand year old bridge. Yeah, to move his raw his giant super Friggin- yacht out of the dock where he had it built. Maybe have it built somewhere else. You absolute buffoon. Yeah, Jesus, this guy. Yeah, no. Uh, anything that bad, anything bad that happens to Jeff Bezos, Jeff Bezos has coming. Yeah. <laughs> One hundred percent. I'm not saying I'm not encouraging violence against uh, Jeff Bezos, but there's nothing that could happen to Jeff Bezos that's bad that I would say, oh well, that's that's too bad that happened to him. No, the man's trash in every way. Just well, like no, you all of these, as far as I'm concerned, all of these guys they've got billions and billions of dollars, and they could be spending it doing. They could be actually helping the world, and instead yes. they're building super yachts and trying to flee the planet. If, you know, if they if they you know, are, well, as I say, it's that, that's, oh, that, that stupid class of people. They mm-hmm. have become all complete sociopaths. And that's what money has, unlimited yeah. money has done to them. It has completely isolated them from the human experience. And they've, yeah. if they weren't sociopaths to start with, they sure as hell are now. Yeah. You know, because you can become desensitized. Oh, to, to human, human suffering. Pain. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. And they couldn't I, care less. That what they're doing to the world and what they're doing to their workers. Yeah. Well, oh, never mind. Yeah. That's they're taking almost. us away from this wonderful movie. Ironically, it isn't taking us away oh, from no. this movie because that is what this movie is about. Yeah. I mean. And again, I, it manages. And by the way, it's not preachy at all. No, there's nothing about it that's preachy. No, we're we talking about it are 50 times preachier than the movie is. Oh, the movie doesn't preach about it. No, the movie no. just, it doesn't have time to preach about it and worry about it. It's too busy it entertaining to the hell out of you. Yeah, it has to deal with the problems that keep coming up yep. and don't go away. And, how, you know, and how are oh, they going to get out of this one? And oh. the visuals are just great. Like the, you know, so I. Yeah, but. Um, oh. And her but yeah. in the gunnery because the oh, captain. I know, the, the captain. Oh, my God, the captain who has to. Like, literally, because you got to remember, um, it's illegal for people to have guns in the future. The only people who can have guns are basically people who the corporation says can have guns. But she used to be a terrorist. Yes. And so she's got this gun hidden away. An in- By the way, an intelligent gun that talks to her. Yeah. <laughs> that was a really nice touch, actually. Uh, I loved her gun. I thought that was a really nice touch. But so... 
the only way so their ship can't have guns so when they have to shoot something she has to climb out the back of the ship strap herself in and literally aim a rifle at the thing she wants to shoot yeah she has to have magnetic boots on yep to stay she on has the to spot. put on a spacesuit. oh my god and they can i mean they can shut her in yeah they do have a door that they can bring down but yes. uh yeah to protect her from stuff out there but yeah it's it's terrifying how she Watch has to defend her. them i don't know how like you know you're sitting there going oh my god is she gonna get hit i know it's so tense yeah yeah it's and so unbelievably tense if there is to say anything about it, and that's the thing about vincenzo too that that you can yeah. see in this movie that there is an ability to have that those levels of tension and then punctuate them with, um, and they are not comedy relief. There's no comedy relief as such in this movie. No, no, but there's no like, I mean, well, I mean, the well, Frenchman, the Frenchman is comic relief. Comic, the Frenchman and the poker game. And the poker game, yeah, are both comic relief scenes. Yes. But for the most part, there isn't a lot. But you're right, they're, you, yeah, they're great at having these moments of just letting you exhale after an unbelievably tense scene. Yeah, you don't, you know, even though something else is going to come. Yeah, you have that moment of, oh, thank God. Yes. Oof. Yes. And, well, I guess it was a comedy scene when they tried to wash her hair. I know. These oh, two men tried to wash this little girl's hair. Girl's hair. I know. Uh, that was that was actually very funny. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's just like every part of this. and And the crazy part is... There's nothing about this movie, and I'm just, I talk about how much the, uh, the, like, um, how, how much America fails to make impactful movies these days, right? And there's no reason this movie had to be made in Korea. There is nothing specifically culturally Korean about the story. The main characters of this could have been French or Spanish or Russian or German or American. Like they could have been whatever. Like, cause this is about how money is its own class separate out from national identities. Like the team all happened to be Korean, but national identities have folded away as corporations have taken over everything. And so everybody, like everybody has translators and everybody can talk to each other. But because the national governments, I know, I, I love the translator, by the way, the way they pretend to be Spanish, using the translator while communicating with the terrorists. Uh, and then this, there's, this very the woman, there's the woman in the pawn shop who speaks German and the translator won't work properly. That's such a good scene. Yeah. Uh, but what I loved about it is that it's a sub message, right? That now that the countries, now that corporations have taken everything over, countries aren't fighting over resources anymore. No. And yeah, people have their national origins, but there's not anything to, like, those national origins aren't points of conflict anymore for anybody. Because the conflict was always artificially created by the people running the country trying to improve their own position. People have always just been people, no matter where they happen to be born. Yeah. And that that's one of the weird sub-messages. And it's not a big part of the movie at all, but it's in there. There is no, there is no 
question of people being of different value based on what language they speak or how they look in this. Because yeah. everybody's just a worker trying to make it through the day, except for the rich people who it ain't an accident tend to be white. Yeah, it, it's an interesting, it's because we're, we are not going to talk about this, but we are doing this uh, podcast two days after Russia. Yes, the invasion of Ukraine. Yeah, uh, of Ukraine. Well, one day after it happened yeah, yesterday morning. It happened yesterday so. morning. Yeah. And, and we're not uh, we're not going to turn this into a, a big conversation about what's going on in Ukraine. We're not going to get political now for you. Don't no. worry. But it's just but, it, it's an interesting when you look at this idea of national identity. Yes. Right. And, and how. And this is a future where everyone still has their national identity, but so that national identity isn't a source of conflict anymore. No, because the con because everybody's in the same boat, mm -hmm. and the corporation the rich people have formed their own country, which is in which is outer space. Yeah, the rich people all went to outer space, and now that all the rich people are gone, and they're just sucking the rest of us dry for the last of our money. Yeah. What are what do we have to fight about anymore? Yeah. It's the message again, it and it's this is all subtext. Yeah. Like the movie doesn't say any of this. It's just all no. completely clear. That's yeah. what impressed me so much about this. That it, it never gets preachy. This isn't a don't look up type of situation where it's constantly telling you what the movie is about all the time. All of this is implicit in the way they've done the world building and the way the characters interact. I mean, it's the more I talk about it, the more I love this movie. Yeah, yeah. I it, it was. I wondered whether it would be as much fun the second time through because I had watched it. Yeah, a yeah. long time, quite a while ago. Yeah, you watched it like uh, a month ago when it uh, when yeah. we were talking because you said that I told you he was in a movie because uh, I was watching Vincenzo with you and I'm like, oh, I, I was on Netflix and I saw that he's the star of this other movie and you're like, what movie? And so I delighted to do Netflix and you watched it that night. Yeah, and and the, so I wondered, and a month later, it was still fun. I mean, this is going to be a movie you can watch for over and over again. fun again, fun of it. Yeah. Unlike unlike the more obvious, um, as much as I love it, the one with the train sweeper, Which the train, yeah, you know, oh, no. the train, the Ayn Rand train. Oh yeah, um, snow, snow, uh, snow piercer. piercer. Yeah, snow, snow piercer. piercer. Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to watch that over and over again for fun. Oh, that's too depressing. Way too depressing. You know, I mean. Beautiful anti-capitalist message. Way too depressing. Way too depressing. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, Although, it, again, weird. it is the, the, in both, the key is the child. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. The, uh, you're right. Because, again, it, well, I mean, the key is the child because... Uh, the future doesn't have to look like the past. Yeah, that's why the ch that's why the key is always the child in these movies, because it's like every time to quote the Andrew Vax thing that he used in the poem, it's another chance to get it right. Every new generation yes. of children don't have to make the same mistake their parents yeah. did. That's why you need this child to be hope in these movies. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so I guess our final sentiment is Space Sweepers is amazing. Here's okay. I'll say there's one thing wrong with the movie. It does have, this is the only thing I will say is wrong with the movie, okay? And it's not even a big problem, because I don't need you to humanize, you know, Elon Musk. Elon Musk is trash. Don't humanize him. He doesn't want to be human. What does it matter, right? But I will say, <laughs> I will say that it does have 
the phenomenon that I call uh, white guy villains in Asian movies syndrome. Yeah. Where well. if there's a white guy villain in an Asian movie, as a general rule, they tend to be very big and broad and over the top. Yeah. Like, and it's just, and every Asian movie I watch with a white guy villain, they always have the villain dial it up to like 11. And well, this guy yes. is absolutely doing that. And everyone else in the movie can be as subtle as they want with the performance. And then the white villain is just this crazy over the top monster. Okay, but, but if you watch, right, as much Korean stuff as I have now been watching, yeah. I'm going, they're villains, other than <clears throat> they're villains, whether they are Korean or white, yeah. right? But will often be very big. Very big and very over the top. And I guess I, because I oh. haven't watched a ton of them, yeah. um, I haven't seen that as much. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, I go back to The Man From Nowhere and like... Yeah, the villains in The Man From Nowhere can be big, but it's always in a completely measured way based on what is going on in that scene. Right? But I, I maybe it's just as you say. Um, may, uh, it, it is possible that I notice it more with the white guys because I'm used to how villains are treated in Western movies. <laughs> Yeah, And so it looks so much more jarring to see a white guy doing the kind of over-the-top you say we normally get from Korean villains. Like, I I find, like, even this, now, some of them are a little bit more measured, but when I look at uh, Park, whatever, something or other, uh, Sue, um, yeah. villain, the, the one of the key villains in this, although yeah. how the hell you could call him a key villain, you know, <laughs> it's, um, it is again over the like it, he's just too like you can't believe he got where he is if this is the way he behaves right you know? i'm going so they but they have very much public faces and then because even the the other male villain who's it's i don't know how it's going to end which is why i'm going to watch this to the end and, yeah. you know, sort of just, I, I, you know, I scroll along the timeline to see when the, when the, these oh, points where, you know, yeah. are just too much, or they have the fights that go on too long. This yeah. is where Vincenzo keeps, keeps me going and saying they did this right because so many times and the fight scenes in the K2, and there are a lot of them. Yeah. They go on too long. And they are not as well done and well choreographed as they were in Vincenzo. Well, no, I think, again, but if there's one thing you can say about Vincenzo is that show understood restraint. Yeah. When less is more, you know? Yeah. It really did. It's, you know, you just, you do it and it's only as long as it needs to be. You don't give your audience, you know, just, you don't pander to your audience's need to have a long fight or... I guess that's why they do it. Oh it's yeah, that, no, it absolutely that, is. You know, but it it's um yes, and the translation isn't as good. I tell you, I don't know who this guy <laughs> got. You know, I mean, he got top drawer for everything in Vincenzo. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Just uh, that's even the translation. Like, yeah. I could tell because again, I love me some Squid Game. That ain't a great translation. No, there are places where, I, as I said, I, there are some movies, I, some things I watch where I'm going, 
I can fix parts of the translation and I don't even understand Korean because <laughs> they get the wrong tenses. Right. Right. I know enough about what's going on and they have the wrong verb tense, for example. Yeah. Or they use a wrong word sometimes. They have the wrong preposition. Standard yeah, problem. Yeah. Where it's English. like literally they had a computer do this translation and nobody double checked it. Well, it's not quite that bad. I mean, <laughs> computer translations, no. There's always somebody who who gets the translation credit, okay? Yeah. There's usually two or three but that's people. the person who, I'm saying, there are situations where it is machine translation, and then there is a person whose job it is to go over the machine translation and approve it and make changes. And yeah. sometimes that person doesn't do a great job. Yeah, and the thing is, is it has to be Koreans. Well, of course. Given, given what I know about Korean right now, yeah. <laughs> at this point I'm going... It has to be Koreans who have go. managed to um, master English yeah. at some level, at an eight or a nine level out of, you know, at a seven, nine, eight level out of nine, right? Oh. Because if, it, for it to be really good, because the problem is, and the big, one of the biggest problems is the use of prepositions and the use of tenses. We have all sorts of tenses in English that... <laughs> Most other languages don't have. don't have, yeah. And if you get it wrong, I mean, for heaven's sakes, trying to explain how you use the perfect, and then there's the passive. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and all of these tenses and how to use them correctly is very yep. difficult. Now, in most, it's not going to be for most people. Uh, like people in their regular language don't run across a lot of these problems. But they do come across the problems of prepositions, using the wrong prepositions or mm. putting things in the wrong place. Like I don't count spelling errors. Of course. There's the odd one there I've run across, but it's, I, there are some of the shows I can't remember. There was one in particular where I could have literally, <laughs> you should have called me and I could have fixed the English. <laughs> I don't know if it's correct. It's a correct translation of the Korean. But I do know that it is not a con correct English construct. Yeah. It has nothing to do with translation. No, this is now not what you would say in English. Yeah. All right. You know, so it, it's so, as um, We will. We're going to wrap it up here. And But before we go, I just want to say that I did turn on the uh, dubbing for a while. Yeah. And I'll say this. Uh, the guy doing that actor's voice, our, our main actor's voice... Uh, did it like I think he's a better match for the the actor's look than the guy who did his voice in Vincenzo because I listened to some of Vincenzo dub and I'm like I prefer the voice actor in this one for the English dub to his voice acting in Vincenzo because ah. if no. I because uh, I try to because you know I know how he sounds in speaking Korean with his own voice and so I try to find like a voice actor who matches I mean it's a different language but who matches the tone yeah and this guy, I think, did a better job. Well, let me put it this way, you know, I, I'm not sure who's in control. Well, no, uh, it's, I mean, every, every production dubbing. gets to do its own dubbing, you know? Uh, every, every production does its own, like, decides who to hire for its own dubbing. It's not like, it's not one of those situations where in Italy, the same guy always does Robert De Niro or something like that. So Robert De Niro is consistent in every Italian movie. <laughs> 
That's a true fact, by the way. There are like actor, there are voice actors whose job is it to be the consistent voice of an American actor who's in a lot of movies. Well, that but, makes uh, sense. Yeah, but we don't have that. Uh, we don't have that relationship with Korean movies yet, so that hasn't happened here. Yeah, and I'm not sure how just how many um, English speaking actors you would have in Korea that could fulfill. And, and sometimes, well, sometimes they send it to England to do it, and sometimes they send to America, but sometimes they do it all there. So yeah, you can end up with these weird situations. All right, so okay, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here. We will uh, be back for more uh, Korean fiction on Tuesdays when we have more to talk about. But for <laughs> now, join us back here on Wednesday for uh, Style Section, the Wise Guy Podcast, uh, which should be wrapping up right around this time, actually. That's crazy. She got all the way through Wise Guy. Uh, so that should be fun. And of course, uh, I don't know what is going to be here next, what we're going to be posting next week, but presumably something. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling related fiction you'd like us to check out, drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we, oh yes, if you're listening on an app or podcatcher, please rate and review. That's how people find the show. We'll see you back here soon. But until then, I'm going to say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good week. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.